Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Chacapella, a podcast for the acapella community where we examine the culture as well as the ins and outs of vocal music, along with the people who are working to shape it. I'm one of your hosts, Alicia Edwards. Joining me, as always, is my good friend, Brian Alexander. Brian, how are you today? I'm doing well. I was, for some reason, I was like, oh, you know, you're at that part of the day where the energy is like lulling. But then for some reason, right as you were doing that intro, I just got like invigorated for some <gasps> random oh, reason. That's like the best compliment. <laughs> it, it must say that have been... again. No, I'm kidding. Okay, Don't say e- that again. Easy there now. But I'm like, it must have been, uh, you know, that wonderful intro you just gave the show. So that well, thank you. just lifted my I'm... spirits. I'm so excited for our guests today. <laughs> are you? Really? I-, I am. Do you want to know why? Why are you so excited for our well, guests I'm just, today? I'm just going to tell you who it is. It's me. <gasps> what? It's us. Oh my goodness. Us? <laughs> so, I mean, I realize that as this episode airs, Halloween will be over, but only by a few days. So... It will, technically, we'll still have all the Halloween candy, so, you know, people will still be We'll still have Halloween candy, and I encourage you listeners, if you are old enough, to go watch The Haunting of Bly Manor on Netflix. <laughs> all right. Take your advice there, people. Go check it out. Well, this is yes. interesting that today's guests are you and I. You know, occasionally we do this, you know, every once in a while. Yeah. Uh, and I am so glad that, you know, we're doing this episode because I feel like over the last few months, we've had, like, a steady stream of just, like, the most amazing guests Oh, yeah, absolutely. And they've come from like so many different places in terms of their artistry, in terms of their segments of music that they fall under. I'm like, clearly it's acapella, but within it, you know, we we have so many different types of acapella groups and people from those genres, subgenres. And so I felt like, you know, we really needed to take a moment to just, you know, regroup and just touch base on, you know, so much that has been learned from all our amazing guests. What are oh, your absolutely. I mean, I think that's, I want to kind of touch on some themes that we've seen over the past several episodes. I looked at our past, like 17, 18 guests that we've had, and I would say about at least half of them have kind of touched on some recurring themes that I think it would be valuable for us to reiterate to our listeners today. Yeah, that's a perfect point. I felt like a lot of them had, you know, a lot of similarities. And then although they were different, they, as you're saying, they touched upon things that were relevant, things that all of us can benefit from. And they just said it in their own unique ways. A lot of the stuff that they said is not unique only to acapella. It can be generalized. However, it is certainly applicable to the acapella world. Right, I agree. I, I feel like when we start talking about acapella, while it's its own unique thing, everybody is just kind of like, well, it's just like so different from regular music. I'm like, no, I'm like, if anything that we've learned from our past guests and our most recent guests here is just that at the end of the day, it functions just how you would expect normal music to function. Yeah, we're not using oh, instruments, but in terms of the feel, in terms of the structure, and t- as you get into the band and the people creating the music and everything that goes into it organizationally there are so many things that just you know it's just another aspect of music at the end of the day so well and what i really love about acapella is your options are kind of endless your limitations are i mean obviously your vocal range but like the types of sounds that you can make are amazing like on a trumpet there's only certain sounds that you can make on a guitar You can strum, but you've got like your high and low point where there's ways you can fudge that. But 
acapella, when you get a group together, there's like no limit to the types of sounds that can be produced, which I really love and appreciate about the art form. Yeah, I get what you mean. I'm, I'm just thinking of, you know, like guitar sounds. And, you know, we joke a lot about the syllables and, you know, the ginjos oh, yeah. yes. and things like that. Yes, we do. But it's so funny when you're like watching a, a video of a group performing a song and they incorporate, you know, either the guitar solo or something that right. you know to be is supposed to be, you know, that guitar effect. And it can be interpreted right. like five different ways. It's just not the oh. same on own. You know, people they change it up. And I'm sorry, what was that? Yeah, I'm sorry, I can't repeat that. You you got what I meant there. That was a one and Listeners, done. Listeners, rewind it and just loop that. <laughs> please don't, please don't. But but on, please do. <laughs> but on that note, let's let's get into this because I, 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 I know we both of us have so many different ideas to share. So where do you want to start? What's been on your mind in terms of the things that we've been seeing? So I wanted to kind of talk about self-sufficiency because in the age of COVID, I don't know of a single acapella group that has been able to continue the status quo, like do what they've been doing through the pandemic. Right. Yeah, they've had to change And, it and I mean, you've got groups that, that release digital content, but they still get together to do rehearsals and learn new music. Well, not necessarily get together to learn new music, but learn how to piece those bits of the puzzle together. And I mean, COVID just turned everyone's world upside down when it came to that, I feel like. Yeah. Like, I haven't seen the group that I regularly sing with probably since my birthday. Oh, man. For the listeners, my birthday is in March, yeah. beginning of March. So it was, I mean, before the pandemic hit my state hard, there have been a lot of adjustments. And I think that... If COVID has taught us anything, it's taught us that we have the ability to be self-reliant and pick up new skills and adapt really to kind of move ourselves forward through this. I mean, what do I want to call it? Through this disaster. Yeah, I, I think that has affected all of our lives. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. It's so weird. I'm like everything that's going on in the world right now. Like you're saying, it's forced us to kind of take on different things that we didn't even realize were within us. And it's interesting mm -hmm. for acapella because when you think, at least in terms of the collegiate scene, and I, I know we're once again stressing collegiate scene, but I promise we're going to discuss things that apply to every type of group out there. But in terms of the collegiate scene, there's this whole idea around them, you know, schools not really supporting a lot of collegiate groups. And so in a way, they've been forced to, you know, be self-sufficient outside of, you know, university help in a sense. Right. Well, and and I mean, I I don't want to say that I'm an expert in this because I'm, I'm not. There's so much I don't know, but I can relate to those groups that didn't have the support from their university because when I was doing collegiate acapella, we weren't a sanctioned group mm -hmm. that was part of the school. We didn't have access to studios or scheduling for rooms and booking venues like one of the auditoriums that we had on campus so that we could do a concert. We had to like, I, I still remember we had, we were in the fine arts building and we went into a room to rehearse. But we didn't have it scheduled and a group came in and they're like, hey, we have this room scheduled and we're like, oh, OK, oh, sorry, no. we'll we'll go <laughs> elsewhere. So we yeah. and we were it was a, it was a bigger room with mirrors. So or actually it wasn't mirrors. It was it had like glass like there was the side of the wall was just one big window. And when it was dark at night, you could see yourself because we rehearsed at night. So it, it worked as as though it was a mirror in a dance studio. Oh, that was so perfect. we could see ourselves performing. And then this group comes in. Oh, hey, sorry, we have this room booked. And we're like, oh, shoot. OK, sorry, yeah. we're leaving. And it was mm -hmm. like this group of nine girls who were singing and dancing in this room. And we left and we went to another big room. And sure enough, 
Same thing happened. Another group comes in like 10 minutes later. Hey, we have this room booked. Sorry. And we ended up being in like your typical looking classroom with desks everywhere, no mirrors. And that's where we had to rehearse. And it's a challenge sometimes. But I feel like if you can get through the experience with COVID, you can get through something like that. Oh, I totally agree. And for the record, I'm like, if we're being honest here, acapella groups, unfortunately, are at the bottom of the totem pole. So groups oh, yeah. constantly come in and, you know, kicking you out of rooms and stuff. I, I can think of similar times and, you know, whether it be, <laughs> I think you were also there too. I don't think we were kicked out of there, but we had to rehearse in a library. Do you remember that back in Salt Lake? Do remember was, that. We did hold auditions that, in a library. And that, that was, was that was post collegiate. Yeah, that was post collegiate. So I'm like, it had you know, groups just for the record. It happens even outside of you know the collegiate scene. But I remember for my group, now that you're sharing your past experiences, one of the first places we ever started rehearsing when our group just got its start, it was the campus church. It was literally my dorm wow. was like you know, in this one place. And then right across the street was like this small church that I forget what kind of denomination it was, but it was just, you know, where, you know, a regular campus, uh, okay. religious place basically. And we were in there and we, we were able to use the piano and stuff. And, you know, we made do because we really well, had, you a, had a piano at least, <laughs> you know, that wasn't and the case all the time, but yeah. Right. Fortunately though, I mean, in the age where everyone has a smartphone, there's an app that you can at least download. Exactly. So if you, you know, need a starting note in acapella, you can at least get that. You know, and that's going to date me a little bit. You know, when we were rehearsing, there were no, for, for the record, I don't think there were like piano apps on phones at that point yet. And so, you know, I don't even, I don't even know. I didn't have a smartphone. Wow. <laughs> you know, I might've been in the same boat. So it's... yeah, my, my first smartphone was after <laughs> I got married, which was after I graduated. Oh, wow. That was yeah. quite a bit of time. <laughs> yeah. Really funny. Really, really quick story. We have this experience where we're getting kicked out of rooms, right? Yeah. I'm really grateful for one December 12th, last day of classes, we did not get kicked out of this room what? that was big and had mirrors for a rehearsal because I walked in and my husband proposed. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so it would have been a nightmare had we gotten kicked out of that room. Oh, oh man, that would have been terrible. I could Yeah, but it would have oh. it would have made for a really funny story. Oh yeah, you would have never forgot that <laughs> for yeah. sure. Yeah. But it's interesting because you're talking about being self-sufficient and that's so interesting. I find that interesting because it kind of right. aligns with one of the things that I wanted to bring up and it's this whole idea of everyone in your group needs a role and I feel like oh, everyone yeah, needs absolutely. a role even if they don't have a title and I think we get so bogged down with okay who's the music director who's the president who's the business manager I'm like those are obviously very necessary but at the same time everyone in the group should be working towards something in terms of contributing to the group I feel like there are so many different things that people can contribute in terms of success and it starts with like everyone just chipping in in any way that they possibly can. And I feel I'm going to geek out for a minute. Okay. So I studied, I got my master's degree from a top business school where I live. And one of the big things with team formations is like you have to go through the stages of team development. I don't think acapella is an exception to that. No. So it's you form first. So forming, norming, which is where you establish what everyone's roles are in the group, right. mm -hmm. storming, where you might have some conflict, maybe some disagreements. It's not a bad thing. And then once you get past that hump, you get to what you're called, what's called performing, which I mean, in acapella, obviously, we literally know what that means. Right. But when you've gone through those stages of development together, it just forms a more cohesive unit. And that's going to translate to your performances. I agree completely. I think that's something that 
kind of trips a lot of groups up because I feel like sometimes you want to skip steps. And I know that that was the case, at least in my early days of acapella, is I, I saw so many other groups out there who already had it down. And I was ready to go from formation to, OK, we got it all figured out. And like, you, want, <laughs> you wanted to go to zero to 60 in three seconds. Exactly. That yeah. was the issue. And I'm sure others can relate to that. But I, I think that those steps that you just outlined, those are important. I'm like, you need that development. And it, it helps you to really gel as a group, you know, as you're developing. You know, oh, absolutely. You, you just get a feel for one another. And like in music, that's important, you know, just as important as connecting right. with the people well, you're singing with. One thing with that, when you have those group roles, I think that's something that you should always keep in mind that that can and should be fluid. Right. If you take on social media and you're just not a social media person and you find you're get, getting anxiety, you don't know what to post, you don't know how to engage with people, reach out to your your other members and see if somebody has some insight they can share with you because you're not in this alone. Right. Yeah. And I, I feel like to that effect, I'm like, if it's not working out for you, just, you know, be upfront and honest with the group, you know, try it, obviously. Right. See right. if you can make it work if it's it's like you're saying, if it's causing you like stress at the end of the day, you know, that's why the group is your support system. I'm sure someone else can be, would be willing to step up well, and take and, on that. And I got to say, having to ask for help does not mean you failed. Right. Yeah, that's important. That's important to know for sure. I think that people, like I said, where it's natural to compare ourselves to others and we see mm -hmm. others having success and you're just like, okay, I have to be on that same level. And it's like, no, we're, we're all a work. Keeping up with the Joneses. <laughs> exactly. My neighbor buys a boat. I have to buy a boat. Oh, oh geez. I wish I had that kind of money, but I, I, I definitely do not. <laughs> but this whole idea of just like roles and stuff, it was just further like solidified for me just when our conversations with cutoff studios, cause we've had like five people oh, yeah. from cutoff and and each of them had a very unique role from, you know, the head honcho with Matt to all the individual roles with the other ladies. And it was just like, man, they just have this system like down. And obviously they didn't go into it knowing that this was going to be be the way that it is at the end of the day. But they they figured it out. They took time to grow it, nurture and develop it and look where they at they're at now it's just like incredible. well and one really one really cool thing that's unique about cutoff is that it's a passion project and so it's not something where okay i'm gonna geek out for a minute again so i mean everyone has needs so i think like maslow's hierarchy of needs like your first thing is safety you have to feel safe and you have to have security it's not like cutoff studios is their avenue for that security so it's not like it's not like their cash cow right and so it's people who are doing genuinely what they love and they're willing to try new things. Like, I feel like that organization is a well-oiled machine because they're willing to try new things. They're not afraid to ask each other for help. And it, they're, they're really good at communication. And that's kind of key when you're collaborating on business ideas with your group, on arrangements that you're going to be doing, the individual roles that you would like to see your members take on, things like that. Yeah. And I think that comes when... For me personally, as I, I look at the the scene, the acapella scene we're in, and you know we have so many different avenues for competition, so many different festivals, so many different organizations, and I feel like once we step away from this whole mindset of competition, that's when you really get to the the good part. I'm like competition, obviously, oh absolutely, it, it breeds like some amazing artistry that we've seen from the the community, but 
man, you look at the groups who don't compete at the end of the day. You look at the mm-hmm. semi-pro groups and things like that, and they're doing just as killer things without ever being oh, on the yeah. scene. Oh, yeah, if not more. Yeah, exactly. I think with these groups that, you know, they're not as focused on competition, it gives them more time to just focus on that passion at the end of the day instead of being, what can I do to please others and please a scorecard at the end of the day? What can I do to please my in eternal love of the music, I guess. Oh, yeah. Well, and I think a lot of that comes down to what motivates you. Mm -hmm. So when you add in the competition element, there's there's a very big extrinsic factor there. But where you've got the team from Cutoff Studios that we spoke with, I feel like they're, I mean, like I said, it's a passion project. I feel like that's a lot more intrinsic motivation. And so they have an end goal in sight that doesn't end when the competition does. Right. That's a good point. And so I think that's something that's really crucial. And And when you take away that competition element, I feel like you unleash a whole different facet of your creative potential. I couldn't agree more. That's like perfectly said right there. You're welcome. But I I think that that's so true. I'm like, when you remove like this idea of a due date or expiration, Mm -hmm. you know, man, just imagine the possibilities. And that's interesting. I'm like, we're talking about creativity and things of that nature and passion, because I like to pivot just slightly here, you know, being creative and things like that. It takes me back to our conversations with Polster. Man, that group and that conversation that we had about Mm -hmm. the original works that they're doing and everything that the way that they approach music was just so like mind blowing. It made me think of this whole concept of really being intentional with your music choices. Music itself is just like so deeply emotional. I think that we owe it to ourselves and owe it to listeners to really work and mold whatever it is we're, we're trying to create. And with that goes this to me, this really important lesson of it's okay to not accept the first draft or the first choice or just the first idea. Sometimes you have to keep working at something to get to that final really good version of something because often what you're going to find is that that first idea, you know, is just really, it's just a snap decision at times. And, you know, maybe you weren't considering everything or maybe it's Mm -hmm. limiting your scope or your view at the end of the day. I think that That's how you get to the really cool music and things like that is when you're constantly editing, constantly reworking, constantly going back to figuring out what is that deep emotional part of what we're doing. I think that's important in any activity. You like to run. You're not going to break your record the first time you try to. I wish. You're not going to get that goal time immediately. Like it takes work, like you you build and you run more every day. So it's almost like your first rendition or your first version of an arrangement is your skeleton. Yeah. And you kind of put the meat into it afterwards. Ooh, I, I like that. I, I can see that. Yeah. I'm full of good I'm like, what's today? going on today? You're like, boy. <laughs> I'm nowhere near as tired as I was the last couple of weeks. <laughs> so that's nice. That's good. Although I broke my tailbone nine years ago Uh-oh. and it's never quite been the same. And so when the weather changes, like in particular, when it gets cold, it starts acting up. So I'm glad I don't have to stand up for this Wait, call. Do you have like a sixth sense? Is that what you're trying to tell us? Like you can yeah, sense Yeah, I have weather a weather pattern. station in my butt. <laughs> quote, don't air that, quote Amanda. Quote of the day. No, keep that in, please. That's like quote of the, the week or probably even well, the year. Well, the running, I was the butt of the joke in oh, 2011, <laughs> literally. Oh, I can see Because it. that's the summer that I broke my butt. Okay. Wow. I, I didn't know this. I broke my tailbone. Oh my goodness. That sounds painful. I'm, I'm sorry. It is. <laughs> it was and it is. It's bearable now. But anyway, we were talking about something that I think this, that's really important that you've kind of touched on with Posterior is that you 
I mean, you mentioned your first draft is probably not going to be, it doesn't have to be the finalized version and that's okay. I think that there are so many resources out there to help you improve on what you've already built. I think that the only silver lining of COVID, in my opinion, is that we've expanded our ability to do things virtually. And I think that every single person out there can take those skills and those resources that we have and help their teams and their groups grow to greater heights, whether it's an acapella, the workplace, or any other groups that you have an interest in. I agree. And that that just made me think of this whole idea with, although COVID and the whole pandemic has kind of socially distanced us from each other, at the same time, there's really no excuse not to seek out resources or be able to reach out to people or just to get in touch with people at the end of the day to really, you know, figure out what it is that you're trying to do or get help with something because so many people are more willing than ever like right now to just help someone else out people want to help you yeah exactly i'm like i've seen so many like resources come out you know through the acapella community about just like you know here's how to do videos and virtual performances Mm -hmm. and things Mm -hmm. like that because people realize that this is a really tricky time right now this is a time to learn and discover who you want to be what kind of sound you want to have and you know how do we do that take the time to do it right now i I think that's really great that you bring that up and and i would be kicking myself if I did not take this opportunity to say, if you don't know where to start, you should check out Occupy Radio's podcast Headroom because they talk about different resources you can use. And so that's, that's at least a good starting point if you're not sure where you can hit the ground running. Yep. I agree completely. I would love to keep talking about this. Like we could go on for hours, but unfortunately it's time for us to take a commercial break, but don't go anywhere because we will be right back on your host-only special on Tacapella. Every week for an hour, we hand over the keys to the station to... Wait, is that right? The listeners? It's true! You, our listeners, can choose what we play for our requests and dedications hour. You can catch it every Thursday at 9 p.m. in the East, 6 p.m. Pacific, and then again on Sundays at 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. East, 2 a.m. and 2 p.m. in the West. It's a chance for you to head to our website, pick some tunes that you want to request, or make a dedication. We'll play them right here on our air. And welcome back to Tacapella. Thanks for joining us back on the show. We are bringing something different to you all today. We don't have a guest, so the guests are us today. Oh, excuse me. We do have guests. We have two guests. <laughs> um, I'm sorry. Special, amazing guests. So, some very important guests, like the most important guests, I guess you could yeah. say. Well, this is our host only special with your guests, Brian and Alicia, today. And this has been really cool. We've just been like going over all the various things we've been learning from our guests for the last few weeks because we've just had just like a wonderful assortment of people just come on the show and share and impart knowledge on us today. So we're going to take the time just Mm -hmm. to talk about some things that we feel the community should like really be paying attention to and just really need to hear. So one of the things that I think that's so important right now with everything going on, not just from a health perspective, but just, you know, there's so many things going on in terms of social injustice and there's this whole idea of, you know, inclusion and representation and everything that falls under that. And we've had some great guests come on and just share, you know, what makes their group 
who they are in terms of their identity, acceptance, what they're doing to just further the cause of being a very inclusive group. And I want to start there because I feel like culture and acapella, acapella has its own culture, but there's so much more that we can go and do with that in terms of really being more inclusive. So the first thing I want to start with that I think is really important is really the audience base that groups try and appeal to. I think we're Mm -hmm. something that really got brought up and with our guest Trevor Stevenson out of uh, UNC's harmonics is just this idea of seeking opportunities to just really widen your audience base because I think we can get in the habit just oh I do these five really big events every semester and each Mm -hmm. year and you know we're going to keep doing that because the group has always done that but I think that we're missing out by doing that and not really opening ourselves up to opportunities. Oh, absolutely. And it starts, and it's real simple because I feel like on universities, whether not even just universities, you know, let's branch out a little bit more. Whether you're in a semi-pro group or collegiate group, there are community events that, you know, they're, they're cultural in nature, you know, whether we have these cultural festivals, we have these just wonderful, you know, amazing events that your city might put on. I think it's so important that, Groups seek out these atypical events in order to really bring people in to their sound oh, yeah. and their just who they are as a, as musicians. Right. Well, and one of the things I think about is, I mean, you, you hear people say, "If it's if it's not broken, don't fix it." Mm-hmm. To that, I say, if you can make it better, why wouldn't you? Right, break the system. Why wouldn't you do something? that will just increase your capacity as a group. I like to think back on my time in school because I'm a big nerd. And and I remember we were taught in a marketing class, like you choose who your target market is and mm-hmm. that's who you basically, and that's who you focus on. Okay. In acapella, yeah, you can do that. But if you keep doing the same things over and over and over again, you get to a point where your group is just static, like moving in a straight line. Yeah. And when you do that, you run the risk of having complacency and you'll just start sliding downhill from there. And I think that it's so important for you to be able to branch out to, I mean, one, help more people appreciate acapella who maybe otherwise wouldn't have been exposed to it. And two, it's going to help you as a performer. It's going to help you become more well-rounded. It's going to help you really learn to get outside of your comfort zone. And who knows, maybe there's a little kid in the audience. Like I think of the county that I, I live in, they do a Latin festival every year. Now they didn't do it this year because of COVID, but I was thinking... I don't think I've ever seen an acapella group perform at the Latin Festival. If a group came in, maybe there's a little girl or a little boy in the audience who has never seen acapella before. And they're like, oh my gosh, that's really cool. I want to do that. Yeah. And I think by being willing to go out to different audiences, you are helping shape your group's future in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, I think that's so important right there. I think to go along with that, not only should you perform each time, like you're singing to someone for the very first time, even if you have, you know, repeat guests and repeat visitors to mm-hmm. your events and things like that. I think acapella, as as we've kind of been seeing over the last few years, it can have such a large appeal. And when we don't take the time to really nurture that and really 
dig deep into bringing more people, continuing to bring more people on, that's when we're going to have a real issue. I really enjoy what you just said about, you know, the Latin Festival and there's never been a cappella group there. Well, here's a great opportunity. To my knowledge, I could be wrong. Okay. I've just never seen an acapella group at like a specific cultural festival. I mean, my group has performed at a German festival every year, but it's specific to Christmas. So it's Mm. a holiday festival that has a lot of German influences. And so like, I mean, Germanic, it's one of the like influences for the English language. So I mean, most of the songs we sang were in English, but Mm -hmm. and I think we threw in one German song, but the audience there, it's I mean, it's a festival that a lot of people who don't have any German ancestry or influences go to. And so it, it wasn't necessarily us getting out of like our target audience. But if we had tried to do something at like the Latin festival, maybe sing a couple songs in Spanish. Yeah. That is something where I feel like we could make a difference with that community, maybe uplift them in some way and hopefully find some new acapella future stars. Yeah. And I feel like those are the opportunities that we should all be exploring as groups. Not We should be taking the time to challenge ourselves, not only in terms of the music that we sing, but, you know, the people that we sing to at the mm-hmm. end of the day. I feel like when we start talking about, you know, these festivals and these atypical type events, chances are really good that, you know what, maybe they've never had a vocal group there and they've always Mm -hmm. wanted to, but, you know, maybe they didn't know your group existed. Maybe they didn't know the ways of going about securing a group. Maybe someone was dying to just experience acapella and they were just waiting for that moment to happen because they've seen Mm -hmm. it elsewhere before. And I think we lose out on opportunities by not challenging ourselves to get out of our comfort zones. And I I really wish that back in and past group experiences that I really would have been more vocal about exploring music that was not Mm -hmm. your just typical top 40 and Mm -hmm. and pop and you know just what people would normally expect from I really wish we really pushed ourselves to try something that was like so far out of our realm of comfort because I felt like that would not only developed us a, a bit more it would have made us go out there and seek these opportunities to showcase this type right. of music well and i think with that when you're pushing yourself outside of your comfort zone let's say you're you're singing a song you're not familiar with i think that is pri- like not to go back to the creative element behind things but i think that gives you an opportunity to be more creative because you're not trying to sound yeah. like ariana grande or kelly clarkson or i i don't whoever the stars are nowadays, (laughs) it basically gives you more movement to do what you want to with a song. I agree. You're right. That opens your mind up to trying to interpret the music in a way that, you know, you have no point of reference like you normally do with a typical Western type music. Right. One of the things that I think it is really neat, you've been talking about branching out, performing for different audiences, like reaching out to different markets and really kind of diversifying through that. And I I had mentioned that you never know, like you could have a future acapella star who's been watching you. I kind of want to take that out of the equation because, I mean, for me, music has the power to change people's lives. I agree. One of the most rewarding performances I did when I was on Noteworthy was we went to, I don't even remember what the organization was called, but it was an organization that worked with disabled adults. Oh, wow. And we went there and we sang for them. And oh my gosh, it was so rewarding. It was probably, that was one of the, if I could pinpoint a single performance in my vocal career, 
where I felt like the audience cared the most that I was there, that would be it. Oh, man. That sounds like an incredible like, one. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure that singing there changed some of their lives, but they changed mine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think people... And I think that's I think that's important as far as diversity goes. Like when you reach out to different groups that you're not used to performing for, or you, you do different music that you're not used to doing, it's going to change you Yeah. in the best ways possible. I think that a lot of times the focus is on what can we pull out from the audience in terms of effects that we're having when we sing. Mm-hmm. But at that same so to what you're saying here is the music and simultaneously it can affect us and the people that we're performing to can affect the people who are delivering it. And I don't think that that's given right. enough discussion or thoughts or whatever goes along with that. And like you said, for me, while I didn't have that experience, we were able to go and sing for, you know, like a group of elementary school students. And mm-hmm. to me, that had a similar effect. It's just because I I remember that I was once upon a time in that spot (laughs) as those kids and, you know, music, you know, wide eyed and, you know, just looking forward (laughs) to what's to come one day. I don't I'm thinking bright eyed and bushy tailed, (laughs) but I'm like that. I think that was kind of where I was headed. But, you know, wide eyed came out. (laughs) You you get what I'm saying. You know, my eyes were large and open and just like so. They were lit up. Exactly. You get what I'm saying. And so that it was like. Christmas morning in the presence under the tree. Oh, exactly. That's exactly how I feel every Christmas, even today. (laughs) But it's those experiences that stay with you. You're right. It stays with you and it affects you long after the last notice song. So I get that completely. Right. I want to talk a little bit about what groups can do to help them be more diverse so that they can have experiences like this. Okay. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? I'm thinking back to, we had Dan Mailer from the UK on our show, and he actually conducted a survey on diversity in acapella. And there were certain things that he kind of made observations and the results that he had that I think are really important to consider. One of the things, like he, he, he asked a question, what areas of diversity could your group improve on? One of the things that really stuck out to me was, was age. It was 54% of respondents over the age of 25 said that their group could be more diverse when it comes to age and they could improve on that. Now, that rang true for me because I was a second year graduate student in my collegiate group and four of the girls were freshmen. There were nine of us total. So the majority of the women that I sang with were very young. And and so I it was hard for me because at times I felt like I was alone. And when you feel like you're alone, you don't open up as much. You don't want to put yourself out there and be creative. You kind of just go with what the group wants to do. And I think that as you bring in, and, and I mean, age is just one example. Like you could talk about gender and bringing it like, You've got all female acapella groups, you have all male acapella groups. So obviously that there's something that's limited there, but being willing to to shake things up a bit, I think can go a long way with the morale of the group and ultimately affect what you're doing, who you're performing for, and I mean your reputation as well. Like for me, I saw Noteworthy on campus and every year I saw them, nine white women. And I mean I'm not I don't want to say that there's anything wrong with that, but for me, it would have gone a long way to maybe even encourage me to audition sooner if I had seen a woman of color in the group. And, and I'm not saying that that groups should go out and say, okay, well, we need to get our token black guy because that's not why you should increase your diversity. Oh, no. You shouldn't do it for the sake of doing it. Yeah. You want to bring in talented people. And I think 
as we're not reaching out to those communities and those groups that we don't typically reach out to, like Latin Festival, you limit your pool of potential future members yeah, because they're not going to know about you and they're or they're not going to want to be a part of what you're doing. Right. And to that point, there's comfort and familiarity at the end of the day. Yeah. And so like you're saying, whether we're talking about seeing someone in a group that looks like you or, you know, seeing someone the same age or something to that effect, someone that possesses a, a quality that you yourself hold. I'm like, it's tough not to be like, oh, man, to be drawn to something like that and right. want to be drawn to things like that. And so I, I right. get it. I get the whole I- idea of just like, hey, I really wish that I saw more people that look like me. Right. Well, and it's funny because it it doesn't that doesn't necessarily have to do with race. Right. No. Like not. I remember when I was on Noteworthy, I w- I, s- I mentioned that I was the oldest in the group. Well, on Vocal Point, their vocal percussionist was the oldest. I think he was maybe a year older than I was, oh. and he is a really tall guy. Okay, he's he's a tall big guy, and he actually when he left Vocal Point, he had posted something on social media about how it was a really rewarding experience for him, but he was very hesitant to go into it because he did not fit the mold of what the guys on Vocal Point looked like. Like they were all skinny, average height. He didn't look like that. Yeah. So I think it's really important for groups to know your members, there's not a cookie cutter for what your group needs to look like. And when you have a more diverse group, more people are going to like you and they're going to like you more. I agree. I feel like people are naturally, they're naturally going to want to share content, especially videos where they see some kind of diversity at the end of the Mm -hmm. day. They see something, I guess, in terms of like performing and things like that. If it's like someone that's in acapella community or musicians who are looking at other musicians and stuff. I feel like for me, and I hope this doesn't come across the wrong way. You know, I get so excited (laughs) when I find like a, a strong, diverse vocal group at the end of the day. And and I'm talking about diverse in terms of appearance. You know, Mm -hmm. I have no problem if, you know, if it just the cards played out and you know what, there's just a lot of, you know, one race in a group at the end of the day. Sometimes things like that happen depending on regionality at the end of the day. And so those things happen. But I can't lie when I say that, man, it feels really cool when I go out and I see these other groups and I'm just like, oh, there's a person that possesses a quality or characteristic that I possess. Right. Music, musical talent doesn't discriminate. Right. I agree. Based on gender, body type, race, age, you can find like there are people with all those different qualities who have musical talent. I, I yeah, it is, I've seen it, it firsthand. Yes, I can relate. I'm like one of my best friends who I've sung with in the past. He's one of the most soulful singers I've ever heard in my life. And if you saw his appearance, that probably wouldn't be the first thing you'd expect to come out of his voice. <laughs> but he possesses it. It is really cool. So one thing I did want to bring up, and you touched on this earlier, you touched on age in acapella. And mm-hmm. can, can I be honest for like two seconds? I honestly think that acapella, contemporary acapella has an issue with age. And 
Oh, it absolutely does. And we saw it in Pitch Perfect. <laughs> right. The the group of four four post collegiate guys were trying to still keep going, and it right. was that's a good point. It was an embarrassment. Yeah, <laughs> and and like honestly, it kind of makes me worried for you know after I hit you know like the the forty ish range. I'm like, I, luckily for me, I, I've been told you know I'm not basing this on myself. I've been told that I have like a younger looking appearance. Oh, me too. So, me so too. Right absolutely. To so I'm, I'm golden there. <laughs> and so I figure that you know I had probably till I'm like around forty ish, maybe a little after that before right, I really right. my features start changing and I start looking my age or whatever well but, I've, and I'm, I've got white hair so oh, man. Well, you have a very <laughs> mature look in that case but I worry don't tell me that what? that's a compliment <laughs> that is a compliment it's supposed to be I just need to dye my hair and then I look like I'm 18 Jeez. Yeah. really do we want to be 18 again no I definitely do not but anyway I, it worries me that it worries me in the sense that I love acapella music. I love singing and it, it makes me constantly think about what opportunities are going to be available to me after I hit a certain point. Because whether you're looking mm-hmm. at collegiate groups, you're looking at semi-pro groups, things like that, a lot of it is geared toward a younger demographic at the end oh, of the is. day. I'm like, and there's so no. many talented singers. And then let me give you a great example. Straight No Chaser. They're, I think that uh-huh. they're a few years mm-hmm. older than us. Well, maybe more than a few years older than us, but they hit. I was going to say. I think <laughs> that they hit more along the lines of the late 30-ish, if I had to guess. Mm-hmm. And they're still going strong. They have an incredible sound and they're je- they're immensely talented. But those type of groups are few and far bet- in between at the end of the day. There's not a lot of groups mm-hmm. who, who fall into that demographic out there in the acapella community. Right. And I feel like that needs to change. We need to be more accepting of older groups because... If you're older, you typically think that, oh, they're probably like in a choral setting more than it is mm-hmm, like a contemporary mm-hmm. acapella group. Or like a barbershop. Or a barbershop. You're right. And I'm just like, oh. I have to believe that so many of them still want to, whether they had experience a contemporary acapella or not, they want to be a part of that because they love singing. Right. What I love about all music is that it has the capacity to appeal to so many different people. Like I mentioned with when when you think about older older individuals that are involved in vocal music. I said barbershop. But I mean, one of my first episodes with you as co-host <laughs> was when we had GQ on the show. Right, I was just thinking about them. And they're so incredibly talented. They are. And you know what? I think, I'm not, I'm not going to make any assumptions on age. There. I'll take that back. Let me stop. They are they <laughs> are immensely talented. I agree. And they I don't think you look at right. them and the first thing you think is barbershop. Yet they're one of the one of the most talented. Not at all. A quartet out there. So- yeah. And that's that's crazy. And I'm like, and I'm sure that they love it. And, you know, people love them for it. And I follow all their accounts. And man, it just makes me think I'm like, we have to stop limiting ourselves of what this genre could be or can be at the end of the day because there are so many passionate people that are a part of it or want to be a part of it and you know we keep using this word over and over they're just waiting for the opportunity to do it so someone has to do it same way that we started groups you know we just need someone to get out there and make it happen and on that note we are going to have to take a quick commercial break but don't go anywhere because we're going to come right back on Tacapella. Acaville is broadening our network We're introducing a new show and podcast called Vocal Perspective, hosted by myself, Rachel Schoenbaum, and the amazing Amanda Cornaglia. Each week, we speak with a new female or female-identifying member of the acapella community to talk about ideas, themes, and topics that affect us. Tune in at Acaville on Tuesdays at 9.30 p.m. Eastern, 6.30 p.m. Pacific, or on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Acaville, home of Vocal Perspective. 
And welcome back to our final segment on tonight's special episode of Tacapella, your hosts only special with the two really cool guests. At least Brian's really cool. I, <laughs> I don't want to toot my own too. horn, so I, I won't. You qualify. Without fail, we are continuing Tacapella tradition here. And Brian and I have 10 rapid fire questions. Five questions that I will ask Brian and five questions that he will ask me. I feel like we should go like back and forth. Oh yeah, I agree. Okay. So you thought we were changing it up and we are not. Mm -hmm. So we hope you are ready for these really amazing questions. Brian, are you ready? I am so ready for this. Are you? I think I'm ready. Are, are I'm you? a little nervous. What? Don't be nervous. I'm a little bit nervous. Do not be nervous. What is your worst habit? Ooh, my worst habit? That is a really good question. Oh my <laughs> goodness, I'm sure I have tons of bad habits. If I had to guess, what is my worst habit? <laughs> I never really thought about this. This is so where's, your, where's your wife? Bring her in here. <laughs> uh, she's unfortunately not in that apartment right now at all. Okay. I would say that my worst habit... Oh, okay. You might have to give me a second to think about this. This is rapid fire, Brian. I know. Let's I'm trying go. to think. <laughs> my worst habit, I probably say my worst habit is I touch my face a lot, which is terrible in a COVID era. I like, oh, I is. like rub my nose a lot. And I've been, it was like, it was like from a nervous, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to tell you that it's not a nervous tick or anything like that, but it was something I always did as a kid and I've tried to get away from, but every really? now and then I catch myself doing it. Yeah. That's really funny. I did not know that about you. <laughs> I know. All right. Lay it on me. All right. Alicia. What artist has had the biggest impact on the way you perform? Ooh, I'm going to say Colby Calais. Ooh, I didn't expect that. Because I feel like when I was like my early days, like later in high school, early days of college, where I was really trying to find my voice, I found that I did a better job of performing her songs just because she, just because of the type of voice she has. Oh. And I, I really yeah. enjoy her songs because... They're generally very uplifting and positive mm -hmm. and feel good. And I, I really like that. Yeah, I was about to say, she ha always has like this good vibe to her. Like every time I hear her music. Right, I right. Like no, she totally does. All right. Most of my questions are not music related, but this one is. <laughs> Question number two. If you could hear only one song for the rest of your life, Ooh. what would it be? <laughs> one song for the rest of my life. It probably... <laughs> Oh boy, I'm gonna catch some slack on this one. So I'm not. I have no shame in the, uh, admitting that my favorite band of all time is the Backstreet Boys. And so probably I probably have to just go with my favorite song by them. But it'll be their song, one of the earlier songs. It's called "All I Have to Give." I oh, okay, okay, which, I know that one. You, okay, because I, I, I bring one. that up to people, and they were like, "Uh, which one is that?" All right, Alicia, what's your most embarrassing yes. or surprising injury you've ever sustained? Oh, I broke my tailbone nine years ago, oh and I don't know. <laughs> that's the most embarrassing one. That's that's really that's really the only like injury that I can think of that stands out. Because oh no, this is a good one. This is a good one. This one has nothing to do with performance. Okay. But I'll okay. So I I don't know how I broke my tailbone, and that doesn't have to do with the performance either. When I was in college, I I was trying to like open the blinds on the window in my room, mm -hmm. and I had a roommate that I shared the room with, and we were really good friends. And I got this chair from our desk in the room and I put it over by the window and I stood up on it to like move the curtains because I'm, I'm a short person and I couldn't reach <laughs> I couldn't reach the top of the window to move the curtains open well 
one of the legs on the chair broke as I was standing on it. What? And I'm, and I'm not a big girl, okay? <laughs> so this leg just broke on the chair. And it was a chair where the back of it was like a rectangle. Like it had like sharp corners. Ooh, and man. it got me right on the butt. Oh, geez. What is... Oh, man. That is and then tough. I fell forward right onto the ground. And my roommate is laying in her bed watching this all happen. <laughs> and she goes, are you okay? And I was like, Rosa, you're not a true friend you're supposed to laugh at me first <laughs> and she goes well i was going to but i legitimately thought you were about to face plant into the dresser <laughs> she's probably like seated in slow-mo like oh that looked like it hurt yeah <laughs> oh man that's great yeah thank you <laughs> all right brian question number three if you had to kiss any disney character who would it be oh man what what is this question any Disney character? What Disney character? Or I mean, you can say Disney princess. That's where I was headed. You know, I'm trying to think which one. You know what? I go Pocahontas. Top of Very cool. I like it. <laughs> she was always one of my favorites. Oh, well, good. So I approve. All right. I awesome. <laughs> we won't tell Laura. Thank you. Alicia, <laughs> what's the most useless talent you have? Oh, <laughs> I really want to hear the answer to this. I was gonna, I've already told you this. I have a talent that I can make any situation <laughs> awkward. Oh, boy. Yeah, emphasis on talent there. Okay, interesting. I really, uh, no, that's, I can't think of a talent that I have that's useless. Everyone has like that one thing that they do really well, but give me give me an example. You know, someone is like that person that's like has a endless knowledge of random oh. facts or something. Like when it's Okay. I can spin a saber in my hands. Wow. Okay. That that's what I was looking for. <laughs> it's useless to me now, but it was not between the ages of 14 and 23. Were you like fighting Jedis during those years? No. Or? I, I did color guard in high school oh, and college okay. and I did it. Like, I did it with this group in this thing called Drum Corps. So if anybody knows what Drum Corps is, brownie points to you. Okay, this makes a lot more sense. Okay. Yeah. I get yeah. it. So I know how to spin weapons. Hmm. Interesting. So I can spin a rifle and a flagpole. Yeah. Yeah, those yeah. will definitely come in handy. At All right. Yeah. Brian, have you ever had a wardrobe malfunction? And if so, tell us about it. Ooh, wardrobe. Like on stage? Is that where we're... Maybe not necessarily on stage, just at, at any point. Oh, man, I'm sure I have. Growing up, you know, guys are just cruel. And so I'm sure I've been pants before at some <laughs> point. But wardrobe. But you can't, you, nothing sticks out? No one particular comes to mind. Oh, that's unfortunate. Mind. I didn't, no I can't remember like anything just like came off. <laughs> like in like a large well, group of people. Well, it's not something has to come off necessarily. Like I ironed my spandex color guard pants mm -hmm. my freshman year of high school. Had a big fat iron mark on them. Ooh. Yeah, I was crying because I was like... This was custom made. We can't fix this. Yeah, my color guard director laughed at me and he was like, you don't iron spandex. And I'm like, I'm 14 and stupid. I don't know. That's a first. I've never heard. Yeah, I can't I can't think of anything close to that. I, I don't think I've had like All a right, real wardrobe malfunction. No. All right, Alicia, would you rather be able to copy and paste oh, no. or undo in real life? undo undo hands down that's an easy question <laughs> or that's an easy easy one to really? answer for okay. me yeah easily interesting yeah I, I didn't know which way you'd lean on that one i feel like copy pasting it like takes away from the experiences that you can have or you could like copy so, like, and paste I like, the money. i like enjoying the journey your money oh well not all of us are motivated by money brian <laughs> you know what yeah good point. yeah that's a good point take that wow okay <laughs> okay brian have you ever farted and <laughs> 
That's not the question. Have you ever farted and then blamed it on someone else? Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> of course. Really? Yeah. Well, I grew up, I, I come from a family of like, I have five sisters and like three How brothers. How recent? Oh, recent. Uh, uh, not anything recent. Okay. I'm like an adult at this point. Okay. Fair enough. I was just curious. I know I did it like in fourth or fifth grade. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. You like yeah, easily. You know specifically like, when this happened. I just know that it happened. I don't like vividly remember, but I'm pretty sure I just pointed at one of the boys in my class and said it was him. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's horrible. Yeah, but growing up with tons of siblings, I'm like we we did that all the time and it's it's the worst when you're there in you the car it. like on a long trip and <gasps> Oh, and you can't get yeah. out. <laughs> so I'm sure it happened multiple times. I, I'd be willing to bet money on that. Alicia. Everybody farts. <laughs> Very true. Just saying. Alicia, final question. If you could live yes. in one fictional place, where would it be? Immediately, I want to say Narnia, <laughs> but I don't think that's it. That's a fictional place. That counts. In a fictional place. Ooh. I don't. Oh, that's a really good question. Mm hmm talking movies video games books anywhere that comes to mind i'm thinking of like stuff that i enjoy like one of my favorite series was the hunger games i would never mm. want to live in that <laughs> universe so yeah definitely not that i'm thinking of like something in the marvel universe like mm. asgard because i just think that would be really cool i could see that that'd be and, and, and i mean the asgardians are culturally very different mm -hmm. than we are than anyone in the U.S. And so I think, or not in the U.S., in, on the earth. So I think that could be something potentially that would be really cool. Up until the point where it got destroyed. But yeah, that's... Yes. So I'm thinking before before it got destroyed. Oh, okay. I like yeah. that. So Asgard, pre-destruction. Nice. I approve. No. Well, awesome. That was a fun round of rapid fire questions. That was a fun it's round so of rapid fire. It's so different being on the other side. Now I know what I yeah. guess, though. Yeah. And on that note, we are going to transition into the final portion of this episode of Talk Appella. We always like to leave our listeners with some advice that they can walk away with. And, you know, we normally ask our guests if they could offer that advice. Today's guests are Alicia and I. So we're going to leave you all with some advice. And so we pose that question to each other. Alicia, you could offer our listeners some advice. What would you say? Okay, this isn't necessarily like advice. This is just something I would like to I would like to see from the acapella community. Community. We've talked about diversity on this episode and reaching out and, and trying new things. I think that all groups would benefit from more collaboration with each other. So especially in the time of COVID where you can't get together and do things literally on the same stage, I think it would be invaluable to your group if you could collaborate and do a number with a group that's maybe not the same as you, like a semi-pro group and a collegiate group, or a group from the US and a group from the UK or Denmark, or just somewhere, just collaborating with a group that's different than you. Because I think as you branch out and try new things, there's only room to grow from there. I agree. That's, that's a great advice. How about you, Brian? My What advice would you give our <laughs> listeners? So this was on my mind. I had planned on us discussing it earlier, but man, there were so many great things that we were talking about. We didn't have time for it, but I wanted to bring it up now for sure. I think what's so important right now with everything going on that we have to find a way to make time for each other. And with that, more specifically, I want to just say to everyone out there listening uh, who is part of a group, make time to bond non-musically. I think that as, you know, as members of music groups, you know, there's so much focus on our art and our craft and making sure every note is right and the sounds are all there and the tracks are complete and things like that. But at the end of the day, we're all people, we're all humans and we 
we really depend on, you know, these social connections, which we aren't getting right now. So whether it be, you know, sending a text to that one group member, whether it be jumping on a Zoom call on a Sunday night with your entire group, you know, make time to get away from the music so that you all are developing connections with one another that will outlive this whole acapella experience at the end of the day, because I feel that's the most rewarding part that I continue to keep hearing from every, from most of the guests we bring on, as well as most of my close music friends, they always talk about how the groups that they were part of were a family. And, you know, you wouldn't go these extended periods of time without checking up on your family, you know, spending time touching base with them. Why would you not check up on the people who are in your the groups with you? So make time to really connect with one another and make sure that, you know, we're all making it because it's it's tough out there right now. So that'd be my advice. Thank you. That's a great piece of advice. Yeah. Alicia, if our listeners wanted to learn more about you, where could they go? You could find me on Instagram. My Instagram name is e.squared1989. You can also find me on Twitter. My Twitter handle is Alicia Edwards 19 So that's E-L-I-C-I-A Edwards 1-9. How about you, Brian? Where can our listeners find out more about you? You can find me on Twitter at the Brian Alex Brian with an I and then please go give a follow to all the different channels that I run with College Acapella we're on Facebook we're on Instagram and we're on Twitter you can also follow Tacapella on Twitter we have a Twitter account it's Tacapella two p's two l's you can also find us online on our website at tacapella.org hear previous episodes and just learn more about the show and learn more about the hosts here and be sure to give Acaville Radio a follow they are an amazing group of individuals who give us this platform to talk to you all through and uh, we can't thank them enough for that and that's going to wrap up today's show alicia thank you for joining us for this wonderful host only special thank you brian thank you for joining us too it's been so much fun (laughs) i've had a lot of fun as well so this was this was really cool we should do this more often yes we should and that's going to wrap up today's show